The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. Thank you for joining the show. We're hoping you're having a good day, but we've got some good issues to talk about today. And I can say good, maybe bad, but there's a lot going on. Today, we're going to be talking about economic espionage and talking about what's going on. We're seeing this all over the place with China, Russia, a number of different things. But these issues are very, very relevant to what's going on in our society right now, not just the U.S., but all over the world. And we got a special guest to talk about this. We've got Tiffany Lopez Winter. She's the executive director of the National Trust Center. It's a new organization that's out there, and they're going to be focusing in on teaching people, educating people, and then really kind of talking about small businesses and big businesses and everybody else, nonprofits, about economic espionage and the impact on that right there. And just welcome to Fed Access, Tiffany. We're so happy to have you on the show. Um, Tiffany, break down a little bit about what's going on. We're going to get into the National Trust Center, but I want to learn a little bit about you because you've got this interesting uh, uh, take on kind of, you know, economic espionage. You have an interesting background where you've been in the government, you've been outside in the private sector. So you've seen the dynamics of national security and seen what's going on as it relates to economic espionage. Tell us what the threat is right now. Well, right now I think there's um, a little bit of um – Concern about nation state adversaries uh, affecting our economic and national security. So, uh, what we've seen over the last 10 to 12 years, at least during my career in the United States Air Force and out in the public and private sector, is that um, there are countries out there who are interested in our innovation. Um, they're worried about keeping their own status quo. But they want to steal our innovation and be able to leap, leapfrog our technologies uh, to put themselves ahead of us, whether it be in war fighting capability, in agriculture, in the medical fields. Uh, when I was in the Air Force, uh, we started seeing nation state basically honing their skills on uh, cyber espionage and how that could be used as a tactic for stealing our information uh, when in the commercial sector. Um, because that's where a lot of our research and development, millions and millions of dollars are being spent um, in addition to uh, the opportunity for folks to be able to spread their wings and um, conduct that research and development. They've uh, identified ways to be able to get into those networks and steal that information in addition to a lot of the relationships that are being forged uh, from the academic sector within the U.S., the research and development sector within the U.S., um, so there's uh, there's been a lot of opportunity for other governments to be, take holistic approaches to be able to basically uh, take advantage of um, the the breadth of experiences and the capabilities and, uh, that we have here in the United States. You know, you talked about a number of different things. I'm going to dive in a little bit more. And, and before we even go deeper, you talked about your experience in the Air Force. Tell us a little bit of background about that, because I don't think people completely understand what's going on as it relates to the, the espionage that's happening with some of our military services, uh, you know, the Air Force, especially a highly technical branch like the Air Force. Tell us a little bit of background with what you did in the Air Force, kind of looking at these issues before we go forward. Sure. So uh, I started out uh, in law enforcement and counterintelligence. I did a lot of inf- what's called information operations work uh, overseas. Um, and in that forum, 
from a defensive perspective, uh, it poised an opportunity for us to understand how organi- how. And you were doing this for who? Who was it? Who was the organization? For the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Okay. So they so the are Air Force the, Office of Special Investigations, they got that counterintelligence mandate to kind of work on these different, in, you know, these different issues. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Um, and so in that uh, in that realm, um, in my particular circumstance, seeing how the North Koreans could use holistic approaches to try mm-hmm. to get at our information, uh, my responsibility was to kind of help protect our our war plans mm-hmm. um, and help to counter any of those attempts at trying to thieve or sabotage or disrupt any of our, our war, you know, fighting planning or capabilities. So then you take that a step further. Um, and again, cyber is another technique. Air mm-hmm. Force trained me as a computer crime investigator, though mm-hmm. I did not spend a whole lot of time okay. behind the keyboard. <laughs> um but that background became in handy, though, I'm sure. It sure did. Mm-hmm. So uh, that exposure actually helped me to understand that there is a whole nother realm of capability out there. Um, you know, information is power. Majority of your information these days all resides on computer networks. Mm-hmm. And so that was just another avenue of approach for, for adversaries. You know, with that right there, and when you've got training and you kind of – and, and let me and let me even ask this. Did you see the threat in terms of being very, very persistent in terms of kind of getting information, trying to grab information of, about our military, about our government contractors? Did you see that it was just, you know, it, it was even much bigger than when you first started this kind of work? Absolutely. So, how, I mean, how bad is a threat, would you say? It's pervasive. Okay. Computers are ubiquitous. Um, and now it's traversing into the mobile devices and mm-hmm. As soon as a new mobile device comes up, there's always going to be uh, vulnerabilities in any of that software. I mean, we could probably talk all day about software development mm-hmm. and baking security in. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, have heard a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. vernacular over the last, you know, five, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, but humans are the ones that are creating that code. And therefore, there are other humans, you know, with male intent who right. would have an opportunity um, and the resources to be able to do the mm-hmm. research to identify holes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once those holes have been identified, of course, they're going to try to exploit them, you know, to get to get to further their means, uh, whether it be stealing the information, uh, sabotaging the information. We've we've all heard about the Sony, uh, the Sony hack, you know, a number of years ago. So, yeah, it's out there. Would you would you say that, you know, as you're looking at this from now, from a number of perspectives and, you know, you've done it from the private sector, you know, you've done it for the government. You're looking at a number of different things. You know, everybody talks about how China and Russia are the real big threats to us. Is that real? Is that is that a real dynamic that we need to be concerned about those two entities or is it much bigger than that? I would say that looking at. Press reporting, mm-hmm. right? Information that's been available, uh, provided by commercial sector security entities for the last 10 to 12 years would lead us all to believe that China and Russia are the biggest threat. Are there other players on the field? Yes. Um, do we see other um, potential hostile nations, Iran, North Korea, on the horizon? Yes. Um, from, an, from a public perspective, um, we could probably uh, do enough analysis to identify that there are relationships, you know, in the back um, that we're not pervy to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a lot of the work of the intelligence agencies, U.S. government intelligence a- agencies, 
to be able to ferret a lot of that out. You know, with this and, and, and kind of thinking about the threat, what is it? I mean, is it more about somebody's grabbing information to use it nefariously? Is it more about somebody's getting that data to do criminal activity? Is it more about shutting down infrastructure? Is it more about, like you mentioned, the dynamics of getting weapon systems in order to say, listen, we need to get the economic advantage? Is it all of that? Or, I mean, is it more than that? I mean, what is the most important threat right now that, that you think that we're facing? So I, I would agree with you that it's it's probably all of that. Okay. But – Really what we all need to do as a nation to get down to the motivation, right? So um, there's several organizations in the U.S. who are responsible for understanding, you know, intent, opportunity, and capability of some of these nation states. Um, and it, it all comes down to motive. Um, you could take all of this activity and lump it into a crime, right? So espionage is a crime. Uh, and you know, study criminology at all. It's always intent, opportunity, capability. But all of those examples that you just laid out, those are definitively um, probably the laundry list of, of what's happening. But it's a matter of honing in on uh, the organization that's conducting the activity, what their capabilities are, uh, what their motive might be to target you as a large or small entity, a government agency, um, and then defining uh, mitigation opportunities to be able to counter some of that. You know, as we think about this kind of piece, do you think the education about this stuff is lacking? I mean, in terms of our business community and, and maybe even some of our government institutions and not just federal, but maybe state and local and other things like that. Is there something lacking in terms of uh, the education about this threat? I think there's um, a little bit of a acculturation that has to happen. I think what the balance has to be is this balance between there's a, a boogeyman out there and we need to be afraid and frightened at all times because we don't we don't want that to happen. We don't want, you know, U.S. citizens living on fear. Um, but we also need to um, educate them and sensitize them and not allow them to dismiss what the possible threats are and the avenues of approach to either a human or a network or a physical building Um I think there's a, a, a very important balance that has to occur, and I'm hoping that our trust center is going to be able to help us identify, you know, um, the right way to be able to ring the bell, be Paul Revere, fall on the heels of a lot of this um, press reporting that's currently happening, which I think is actually quite healthy, um, but not put so much fear into people that we become um, – neutralized ourselves because we're afraid to move, we're afraid to develop, we're afraid to innovate, right? We're afraid to have those relationships with folks overseas who are some of those big brains and we want to draw on their capabilities and experience. We're talking to Tiffany Lopez Winters. She is the executive director of the National Trust Center. You can find them at the nationaltrustcenter.org. They are focused in on the whole dynamic of economic espionage, really kind of teaching about it, helping people, whether it be small businesses, NGOs, private sector, big companies or whoever, teaching people about what's going on with this economic espionage, what's going on with China, what's going on with Russia, what's going on with the other players that we are not even talking about right now, and really kind of helping people prepare themselves for the future threats. We're going to be right back after this break. You listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network.
Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. You're, we're talking about economic espionage, and we're talking about a number of different things right now. We've got a special guest on the show. We've got Tiffany Lopez Winters. She's on the show, and she's an expert on counterintelligence, an expert on economic espionage. She spent time in the Air Force in the Office of Special Investigations, which is a special unit of the Air Force that does criminal investigation. They focus in on counterintelligence. They focus in on economic espionage and looking at those who are trying to attack the Air Force and get that great information, those weapon systems, those aircraft systems, and everything else. There are many kind of people out there, whether it be Russia, China, or other actors, who are often trying trying to get this information from government contractors or the Air Force as a whole. But she's now come out into the private sector, into the NGO sector, and the nonprofit sector, and she's teaching about these type things to other organizations. She helped found the National Trust Center. And you can find them at nationaltrustcenter.org. But she's helped found that organization to begin doing this kind of teaching and education that is so important right now that a lot of times we're missing because there's so much more going on. There's so much noise out there that we can't hear about these critical issues. You know, Tiffany, what 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 got you to start the National Trust Center? I mean, what what kind of got in your mind and say, you know what, we've got to take this a little bit further than maybe just our government organizations? Sure. So. What we've seen uh, dealing with the commercial sector and engaging is that the executive leadership in a company, for example, feels as though they need to be the smartest person in the room. And so they have some of their IT folks coming to them with budget issues and appliance uh, issues, and I want to buy this, and I'm trying to explain the threat to you here and there and everywhere. Um, But they don't necessarily understand um, the, the pieces, all the important pieces, and when that occurs, they start making decisions without maybe completely understanding, and they don't feel as though they have um, they don't have the confidence to be able to ask questions while they're being pitched these new budget issues and concerns. So what we'd like to do is to create a venue for some of these for small leadership, medium sized leadership, even some of the the larger companies and executives who. Um, again, have that, uh, they have that, um, they got that kind of background to really kind of, you know, understand, because as you mentioned, like these executives, sometimes, you know, they're making all these decisions, right. And they're spending all this money and it may not even be being spent the right way in order to secure their organizations. Is that oftentimes what's happening or they're listening to all this information, but the right things are not being put in place to really protect them. And it might not even be the right things because I'm sh- I'm sure that they're, they trust the leadership of their CISOs, you know, their, their, um, chief information officers, their chief security officers, you know, they hire them for a reason and they and they trust their judgment, but they but, may but not completely understand. Really always get it, though. Do you think that all these people who are chief information security officers or chief security officers really understand this this foreign threat? I mean, you know, we, we're getting all these organizations like and we knew about the OPM hack and everything else. No one thought OPM would ever get hacked because no one thought that the crown jewels would be everybody's information. Right. So we were protecting all these missile systems and we're protecting information from military and everything else. Do you think that people really do understand that the threat can be anything from health records, from this, that and the other? Has that started to get in people's mindsets these days or no? I would hope so with the repetitive uh, reporting okay. that that we've been seeing, but I don't believe that there's an understanding of the why, right? Mm. So, from a counterintelligence perspective, we're always trying to answer the why. Why? Why did this hack occur? Why? Why did the thief want this information instead of that information? Mm-hmm. Um, we've also seen in the past where 
when um, uh, the good guys, we, we were protecting a piece of information that we thought was most important, was not really important to the person or to the organization, mm-hmm. nation state, that actually stole information. Right. So they wanted different information, but we were putting all of our security wrappers around other information. Right. right. Um, so I, I do believe that the, you know, the chief security personnel within especially large organizations, mm-hmm. they definitively understand what the threat is. They have, you know, taken it upon themselves to go out and to preach and to speak at conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, they provide demonstrations of things that have occurred in their, you know, their enterprises, um, so they definitively understand it. But some of these, you know, smaller to medium companies, um, folks who are uh, this folks that are typically responsible for that security, mm-hmm. if they've if they've had enough resources, excuse me, to actually hire someone, um, they may not have time to get the exposure to to what the threat is because they're. They're so focused on running the network right. and running right. the security Keeping appliances the for for the network, mm-hmm. right? So that context of the threat and why are we having to do all of this, uh, I fear could potentially get lost or or blurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to previous comments about motivation, having an understanding of what the motivation would be of an adversary to go after certain pieces of information or your organization is is going to help tune appliances. It's going to help posture your, you know, create a security posture that's uh, commiserate with what that threat would potentially be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that some organizations, not all obviously, need some help there. Uh, we would like to uh, create the trust center as a place for uh, providing resources. There's lots of government resources out there um, that I don't believe a lot of. Uh, small to medium companies might actually be aware of. Mm. Um, you know, the uh, federal law enforcement organizations, mm-hmm. DHS, they do a really incredible job of reaching out to clear defense contractors, you know, for example, and the clear defense contractors reach back in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, orga- small small to medium companies who are just getting started um, are trying to um, create their supply chains mm-hmm. for, you know, building hangers in China and, 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 you know, clothes, hang, mm-hmm. clothes hangers mm-hmm. in China and bringing those back to the United States for sale, they might not necessarily understand what the implications of their relationship with right. China might be when you're exposing X, Y, and Z information to them. This is generally how it could, how it could be used against mm-hmm. you. Um, and so we would like the trust center to be that place of, you know, excuse the pun of words, but of, of trust for yeah. folks to be able to come um, bring some of their concerns, bring some of their hard questions, mm-hmm. help them to be legitimately that smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, with that, and, 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 and some people will say, and you just brought up a great point. You know, somebody say, hey, listen, I'm just making some hangers, right? You know, I'm just making this, right, and the other, right? What threat do I have or, or why should I be concerned about this kind of stuff when I'm dealing with China, whatever the case is? This is not important to national security. This is not important to this. That. I'm not making a, mi- a missile system or anything like that. I'm not dealing with computers. What would you say to these companies, these small, medium-sized companies who kind of get that mindset, right? They still have to deal with technology. They still have to deal with the supply chain, right? A lot of people don't understand the supply chain can be a big risk dynamic, right? But they don't see it because they think, I'm just making this kind of product right here, and it's really not about national security. What do you say to to those kind of organizations? 
There's still opportunity for um, nation states or criminal organizations to conduct fraud against you. Mm. We were dealing with a commercial company in Chicago, uh, Chicagoland area that was dealing with um, um, their supply chain was coming out of China. Uh, all the information that they had shared with um, shared overseas with their legitimate supplier, <clears throat> the, the theory was that potentially that supplier in China was hacked by either criminals or maybe nation state adversaries unknown, right? But they were able to have gather enough information to cause uh, a fraudulent activity whereby they sent an invoice with uh, a new account number mm-hmm. on the invoice that needed to be paid. Um, when the company realized uh, when the company got a call from their supplier three months later and was told that they had not been paid, it caused them to go back mm. and identify that they received uh, a request for a, uh, a new account to be paid. It was the wrong account, and they lost um, several thousand, sixty thousand dollars, I believe mm. it was. So and for a small so, business, that's critical. It is, it is critical, right? I mean, that was a significant loss to this small company um, who was doing business overseas. Now, that could happen if they were dealing with a small company in Idaho, mm-hmm. right? But um, they did have the uh, forethought to had put some um, stop gaps in place, mm-hmm. uh, but they still lost a lot of that money, and they, didn't, they have not been able to recover it. Wow, wow, so, wow. So, no, they're not a national security entity. Um, but that's still a significant loss to us here in the United States, right? So any kind of economic dynamic of a downturn where a company now has taken take, take a major loss, right, which could possibly send that you know company into bankruptcy or the things like that, right. that means that people lose jobs. And that means our economic security is at risk automatically when those situations happen. And really the small businesses are the ones who really are the foundation, of many of our jobs in many states and cities, you know, and so that's where this kind of stuff comes in that we want to educate these people to understand this risk. You know, when we come back, I want to talk about the human element because the human element, see, you know, you can have all the computer systems in the world, but it always seems like this human element, right? And this insider threat scenario is always a big concern. Okay. I want to talk about that when we come back. We're talking to Tiffany Lopez Winters. She is the executive director of the National Trust Center. You can find them at nationaltrustcenter.org. A great new organization that's out there really kind of fighting the fight, trying to educate people, educate small businesses and people and everything else. They've got internship programs and a number of other things that are going on that we're talking about today. And we're trying to get the word out to people about the economic espionage threat that's out there to small businesses and a number of medium sized businesses and a number of organizations that are out there. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. You are listening to a great show that we're talking about economic espionage. We've been talking about this as a critical issue. A lot of people don't know about this. A lot of people are kind of think, you know, economic espionage. We hear about espionage with the Russians. We hear about it in the news cycle all the time. But people are not thinking about economic espionage all the time. We're talking about this with a new nonprofit that's out, the National Trust Center. You can find them at nationaltrustcenter.org. But I have with me as my guest in the studio uh, uh, the founder of this, um, Tiffany Lopez Winters. She's here, 
And she's got a background working with the Air Force where she was protecting, you know, our nation, protecting the secrets of our nation, trying to find out who were trying to get these secrets when she was working on counterintelligence issues. Uh, she's been working in this in the private sector with a number of different companies trying to do the same thing. And then off she's back and she said, listen, we've got to start this nonprofit because it's critical right now that we educate people about what's going on. And it's whether it be small businesses, whether it be medium-sized businesses, large businesses, but also people. And Tiffany, this is where I want to go right here because I'm concerned about the dynamic. We always hear about all these systems being put in place, right? You know, the greatest, ne- you know, the greatest network system that protects people, the greatest computers, the greatest security, this, that, and the other. But the weak link for everybody, it always seems like, is the person, right? That's is is, is, yep. is the person, right? Whether it be a person who hits the malware, right, who hits <laughs> the email with <laughs> the malware, or whether it be a person who takes something out of the organization, whether it be intellectual property or whatever the case is, and then takes it, and they may use it nefariously or didn't really realize what they were doing. Right. How do we do? I mean, how important is this people situation right now? And what do you see from your standpoint? Well, everything uh, everything is around, you know, human behavior. Mm-hmm. So uh, from an insider threat perspective, folks automatically think criminal, right? Mm-hmm. Or they think espionage. Or they think of Bradley Manning. They think or Chelsea Manning. And they they um, that's where their mind automatically goes. But uh, folks can through lax cyber hygiene or or lax uh, in following policy, security policy within their own organizations can uh, create vulnerabilities uh, through computer misuse mm-hmm. or uh, not following the policies that have been established by their organization, whether it be federal agencies or even within their own companies. You know, typically it's uh, for convenience sake. So folks will have work that needs to be accomplished and they have stressors to meet deadlines and um, they'll take shortcuts, uh, security shortcuts in Mm -hmm. order to make sure that they meet their deadlines. Uh, However, they don't necessarily understand what the security implications of that shortcut might actually be. Mm -hmm. Uh, They might not also understand that that one particular action could potentially put a hole into the security that would allow uh, a bad actor to um, have access to the rest of the network, you know, and and of course a lot of that has to do with how the network is set up and whether or not it's segmented, and we can go into all that, you know, technical, um, you know, backend stuff. But that's not the purpose of our talk right now. What we want to do is talk about uh, the human interaction, and whether it be through complacency or whether it be through malintent, um, really it all goes to. Uh, the motivation of the individual um, and the information that a potential bad actor might try to get to. You know, when, when, when we think about this and you kind of talk about cyber hygiene, right, you know, and which is an important term that I don't think people hear a lot oftentimes. Uh, um, how much are people being targeted and you may not know you're being targeted, like you know how we talked about the small business, right? But you, you know, you may have your stuff on Facebook, you may have your stuff on Instagram, you may have a good social media presence, uh, you may have your stuff on LinkedIn, you may have all these other kind of areas, but you don't really know like you're being targeted by maybe other players in other countries and everything else for whatever reasons, right? They can see your background, so oh, this person can get me access or whatever, or I can use them as a front company, or I can do this, that, and the other, right? How much is that going on right now where people are getting, you know, either these spoof emails that, that have links that will send the mail, malware, uh, they'll, have, they'll be targeted for a number of different things. How nefarious is that threat right now? 
I would say that that threat is really on the on the uprise. Okay. And why why is that? Because the adversary is having a harder time hitting traditional computer networks. So they have to follow a thread of a human being. Mm. And we're seeing a lot more targeting in their residential space because the adversary understands that the security apparatus within a public corporation or the federal government, they can't go off the yard, right? Mm. Their their security capabilities are only within that, that enterprise. So where humans, especially executives, are most vulnerable are in their personal space. Mm. Um, and and I'm glad that you brought this up because it is a, a very important point. You know, we used to say that the Soft Chewy Center um, was was hit by a spear phishing email. Again, more human interaction, that social en- engineering being enabled. Um, but because the network security has has kind of hardened things, um, and the sophistication of network security has increased over the last decade or so, the easiest place to hit someone is at home. Mm. You know, uh, we see, you've seen in open press reporting about uh, vulnerabilities to home routers, right? right? We've seen... Um, I've even seen that they said that they, they can, you know, some people have been able to get on their cameras, right? You know, depending on the security, can they watch, they're watching the kids and watching people, you know, through the camera that the house was made to basically keep them safe. But they got some now player who's watching them yes. and everything else. Yes. Um, and we also have seen um, folks who don't necessarily believe that they're important. You know, kind of going back to our example with the hangers, I'm not mm-hmm. very important. You're, mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're important for the economic security of the United States, right? But as a, as, a, as a person, going back to your point of if there's enough information about you out on the Internet, whether you think you're important or not, um, if you have... Um, a background or uh, access to something that would be of interest to another entity right. with the motivation to use all that information for their gain, vice your gain, um, then it, all of that information out there, your home network being a vulnerability, uh, the phone you carry around, et cetera, et cetera, um, those become avenues of approach for that entity with male intent to be able to approach you and take advantage of, of you and your information. Mm-hmm. So you never know how important you are to someone until, you know, there's a, a bad entity out there mm-hmm. who wants to take advantage of that. It doesn't matter whether or not it's espionage and some nation's, you know, statecraft type of approach, or even if it's just a criminal. Right. So, right. You know, I mean, there's a six degree of separation, right? That you may be, the maintenance person, but you're working in a major organization and you've got access to the key cards and you've got, I mean, it's sometimes it's the, it's the lowest level person who can, who really has the keys to the kingdom. Uh, right. Absolutely. And yep. so you may think that I don't, you know, I'm not making big decisions, but you actually have this critical access that somebody could utilize in order to, you know, get into certain areas or whatever, or you may know somebody. Right. Yep. And then they begin, oh, I'm going to send an email as you, because you know this person. Right. And they respond back and then they hit a link or whatever the case is. So this stuff really needs to be educated to all people, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You know, when, when we look at this whole thing in terms of kind of the insider threat, um, you know, is, is the people's social media presence, do people need to kind of either tame it down or get off social media? I mean, wh- what do you advise? There needs to be a balance. Hmm, okay. um, I, d- I don't believe that, you know, I don't, we don't want to live in fear, right? Sure. Let's go back to those opening remarks. We don't want to live in fear. We want, Americans to be Americans. We want them to be human beings. We want folks, you know, engaging, whether it be overseas or domestically. Um, but but really, it's a 
and I hate to go back to a military OPSEC word, but need to know. Mm-hmm. How much information do you need to put out there about your public persona to the rest of the world, mm-hmm. right? If you are a, an entertainer, maybe that's very important. Right. But if that's the case, then that information, um, you're, you're, you're from a security perspective, you're already dealing with that baseline. Right. Um, but if you're that maintenance guy in that company that might be of importance, but you don't know how important that is, right. you might want to tamp down right. on you know, some you, don't want, of, you don't want to take a picture in, in a certain room and then they, they don't know that the picture has intelligence in the background. Like I can tell what kind of equipment's in this room because you took a picture inside your inside your place where you work at. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and posted it. Right. Yeah. And and you have to realize in this day and age that anything you put on the Internet, you know, people say this over and over again. But it really is true that anything you put on the Internet, uh, whether it be social media or even on a computer in your home mm-hmm. that is connected to the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, could easily be, a, you know, accessible to someone with malintent. Mm-hmm. So if you are conducting, you know, questionable types of activities as that maintenance guy and that information or that activity could be used against you for blackmail or some other purposes, mm-hmm. those are things that you need to be situationally aware about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's similar to conducting bad activity in the own in your own garage of your house, sure. right? That's sure. locked down and mm-hmm. no one can see it. However... If someone with male intent or or has an interest in you, they're just going to walk up to the garage and start looking in the windows Mm -hmm. and they're Mm going to see the, Mm -hmm. you know, bad activity that Mm -hmm. you're conducting in Mm -hmm. there. And now that Mm -hmm. could be used against you. It's very similar with computers, in my my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I want to talk about the internship program, the student travel, all of the things that that your National Trust Center is going to be educating people about. And you got a program called Protect. I want to talk about that as well and then kind of really kind of give them a sense of what you're going to be doing in the future with the National Trust Center. We're talking to the executive director of the National Trust Center. You can find them at nationaltrustcenter.org. We've got the executive director, Tiffany Lopez Winters, here, and she's talking about all the great things they're doing to fight the fight of economic espionage. Of espionage as a whole, looking at all the actors, whether it be a lone wolf actor or a state actor and everything in between, and educating people how to fight that fight and protect themselves with all of those things. We'll be right back after this break. You listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. We're talking to the National Trust Center. You haven't heard about them, but you will. They're a new organization that's out here right now who's going to be educating people about what's going on uh, with economic espionage, what's going on with espionage as a whole, what's going on with the threats that we're dealing with with Russia, the threats we're dealing with with China, the threats we're dealing with with lone wolves and everyone in between. There's a lot of things that are going on that we oftentimes think about the threats about, you know, people being killed in the neighborhood and everything else, but a lot of times uh, uh, companies are being killed through economic espionage. Our country is at stake because oftentimes there's fraudulent activity being taken place, there's other activity being taken place, intellectual property is being stolen. And so we're talking about all these things right now because they're just as important as all of these other issues out there. We've got the executive director, Tiffany Lopez Winters. She is the one who founded this thing, and we are talking about what's going on with it and where they're going. You know, with the National Trust Center, Tiffany, you know, and, and, I, and I'm looking at your website, and and, and people can find the website at nationaltrustcenter.org. But I was looking at the website. You've got a couple key programs, right? You're talking about some internships where you want to educate people. Let's walk through those real quick. What internships programs are you going to be providing or, or doing with the National Trust Center? So some of the internships uh, that we've discussed in-house are 
mostly dealing with STEM education. Mm. So understanding that uh, as the U.S., we may have a bit of a deficiency in some of the STEM education. Mm -hmm. So we'd like to get integrated a little bit more with uh, STEM uh, education and those educators to make sure that there's uh, additional venues out there, understanding that there's quite a few um, to give uh, our our uh, youth an opportunity right. to get a step up because you know, um, it's a critical issue because if we're educating people about STEM but we're not educating about the security of it right so you could be coming up with these great ideas but not really thinking about the security aspect of I need to protect either the IP or I need to protect the usage of this idea. Is that right? Excellent point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that uh, acculturation of, you know, baking security in. Mm -hmm. So always having that mindset. Um, Of course, we want to balance that again with, you know, um, not being too paranoid and and, and feeding on fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we also want folks to uh, be a little bit more diligent about security aspects of things. Are you going to be teaching things like you mentioned about OPSEC, operational security? Are you going to be teaching these things about kind of looking at the economic espionage through these internships as you're baking it in with the STEM programs? Absolutely. Um, with the with the overseas training, uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, operational security or, or OPSEC. Uh, we need to put that into a civilian term. You know, that's very much a military term. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't come up with a, uh, we haven't coined anything right, yet, sure, but, sure, sure, yeah. but, um, it's coming. yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> um, we, we want to sensitize folks, you know, to be able to go overseas and, and do their study abroads, uh, with a little bit, uh, hardened mindset of what could potentially happen when they, when they go over, right. uh, you know, myself and a colleague, we've done this for one-on-ones, you know, we'd have individuals come to me and say, Hey, my daughter's going over to Israel. Mm-hmm. My daughter's going over to, right. uh, you know, Chile. And, uh, could you just give her a little bit of your background and experience and explain to them, you know, what could potentially happen, um, sure. or what they need to look out for or tell mom and dad about when they get home. Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to provide those types of, you know, training opportunities right. for folks. Right. Right. You know, that kind of goes right. What you were mentioned about the student foreign travel. A lot of students are, you know, from America, especially some schools now are advocating that you've got to go overseas now. Yeah. Right. You know, what I mean, so a In lot order of schools to have are a competitive package. Exactly. What what is and, you know, and you mentioned, you know, like going to Israel, going to other places. Some people think that the environment for, you know, Americans or whoever, if I'm going to London, that environment is safe for me. Like I don't got to worry about anything. They're an allied country and everything else. But what is the threat? You know, especially on, on espionage and everything else. Sometimes the threat is just as high in an allied country as it is in maybe for a place that we would know that if I went over to Russia. So sometimes in the Europe, it may still be as as high in that area as it may be in another area. Is that true? It could be, and it depends on um, it depends on what you're going there for, gotcha. right? It depends on where you're going to be staying. Um, instead of a um, intelligence threat or or an operational threat, you know, security threat or a person threat, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it could be a counterterrorism threat, mm-hmm. depending on where you're staying within the country right. and whether or not the uh, threat level is high in that area. So it it really does depend mm-hmm. um, on who you are and what the program is that you're in. Mm-hmm. A lot of this understanding of threat and threat mitigation, et cetera, is contextual, right? So. Um, you can use technology to help counter a lot of these things and it can spit out a lot for you, but there still needs to be that human element um, to help inform right. um, the provide the context of, you know, what's important to uh, you and what you might need to expect to face when you go into a particular environment or country. I really don't think it matters, you know, whether or not it's, you know, England or whether or not it's 
uh, uh, Russia, for right, example. Right, right, right. You know, uh, the FBI kind of put out a lot of information to students recently about the dynamic of possibly being recruited. Mm-hmm. Right. About kind of, you know, saying, listen, be careful. They may know you're an American. They may know you're from whatever country and they may try to recruit you. Right. And you don't really know it or people may try to befriend you and you don't really know. You know, is, is that do you see that as a persistent threat as well? That, I do. That these I'm, eyes are on certain students as young, naive, and they don't necessarily know that they're building relationships that are being basically manipulated or utilized. Absolutely. And we're hoping to be able to use the trust center as a force multiplier for uh, the work that the FBI is doing. Um, some people may not understand what that word, quote unquote, recruitment means. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. let's kind of dig into that a little bit more and explain it to you. Right. Um, uh, kind of explain to you what it what it might look like. Sure. Um, so because it, it looks very friendly. Right. Right. It looks like it's just another person, but you may be, you know, that person could be building you up for something later on. Yeah, potentially. Mm-hmm. And then and then again, we want you to engage. It's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe there's a smarter way to engage right. when you go over there. Right. Um, just one or two little things that we might recommend that you right. do uh, prior to uh, your travel. Uh, one or two little things you do when you come back. Mm-hmm. Um and then a couple of uh, takeaways, you know, as you continue continue on with your edu- educational career. Mm-hmm. And then we'd also like the trust center to be reach back, you know. Gotcha. So five years from now, if something of interest happens to you and it it tickles that part of your memory of, oh, I remember when the trust center told me X, right. Y, and Z, sure. then you'll still have that trusted resource to be able to come back and 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 talk to us and right. and share with us, and we can give you some potential guidance or insight. Outstanding. You know, you got this other program called Protect, and, and, and it seems it's going to be really good about kind of this protocol to, to deal with threat mitigation. What is that going to be about? So um, let's go all the way back to intent, opportunity, capability. Sure. Right. So with the Protect program, uh, depending on uh, what your profile might be, um, how important you think you are or, or you don't think you are. Right. Let's let's kind of put a lot of that into perspective. Um, and give you some additional tools to be able to harden your person, your residence, um, give you some of that education and awareness on on what the additional threats might be to your personal space and what you might be able to do to mitigate some of that. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. You know, I want to have you back as this continues to grow because this is an important issue. And, uh, you know, as the, the National Trust Center, I know you guys are going to be doing some seminars Posse coming up on February. So people need to check out the website, nationaltrustcenter.org, and then check out the website about some things that are going to be going in 2019, about some things that you guys are going to be going public with, some seminars you'll be doing. Seminars. Some, and-, and everything else. Exactly. So we want people to know about that. And then th- as things grow, I want to have you back to talk about these issues a little bit more. We never have enough time to get into it the way we want to. Thank you so much for having us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for being here. This is Tiffany Lopez-Winters. She's the executive director of the National Trust Center. You can find them at at nationaltrustcenter.org. Thank you for being on the show. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Monday afternoons at 1 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. This just in. Reportedly, pigs can fly. We're going live to... Can't take another crazy headline? 
Well, here's something you can appreciate. The MyGM Rewards card gives you best-in-class rewards with four points for every dollar spent everywhere and seven total points earned per dollar spent with GM, bringing you one step closer to a new GM ride. That's the power of appreciation from us to you. Subject to credit approval, terms and limitations apply. Visit MyGMRewardsCard.com. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small-town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it, whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.